Hello, welcome to York Street. We hope that this sermon will be an inspiring and impactful one, just what you need at this time. For any of our sermon-based studies, please head to our website at www.yorkstreet.com.au. So grab a cuppa, grab your notebook, whatever you need, and we hope that you enjoy the sermon. So great things happening in the life of the church. But as we know, in life, sometimes it's not all good. Sometimes there's times where it's tough. Sometimes there's, there's moments in life where we're just feeling like almost defeated, like there's pressure weighing in on us. It was 2001, and two football teams lined up to play against each other, North Melbourne and Essendon. Both teams were all G'd up, ready to go at the start of the game, and the siren went, and, and the, the first kickoff took place, and there, there, there's a bit, of a bit of a pack and a bit of a scrum, but North Melbourne kicked a goal pretty early on, and another, and another. And by first quarter, North Melbourne was 10 goals up. The Essendon supporters were starting to pack up their chairs to go home. It was like, this is... This is hopeless. Like, that, that is first quarter. This is, oh, defeat. Second quarter came, and surely they're going to rally another goal for North Melbourne. Oh, it's like the nail in the coffin and another. 12 goals. 12 goal lead. Then something happened. Essendon kicked a goal. And there was a glimpse of something in the distance. A glimpse of hope just on the horizon that maybe, just possibly, they could not lose by 20 goals. Like, just something. What ended up taking place was one of the greatest comebacks in AFL history. And by the end of the game, Essendon bet North Melbourne by two goals. Now, I know there's, there's going to be a bit of division within the church. Uh, there was a, a family here at our earlier service where one of, the, one of them barracked for North Melbourne, the other one for Essendon. Uh, we, we offer free marriage counselling after the service. <laughs> I had no idea. Whoops. Now, great comeback, great story. But imagine the feeling at quarter time if you were an Essendon player or an Essendon supporter. Like, it was over. Like that, that weight, 10 goals. Like 10 goals is, is just what you might kick in an entire game, but to have a 10-goal lead, like it's over. And sometimes in life, we feel like we're at quarter time and there's 10 goals, 10 times something weighing on us. It could be the dysfunction in a family. It could be a broken relationship. It could be finances. It could be that essay that you're being supposed to be studying for that's due tomorrow that you haven't done yet. It could be all these things that are just weighing down on you and it's like 10 goals worth of pressure just crushing in on you and you feel like all is lost. You feel like you just, it's done. You might as well just pack up and go home. If you feel like that in an area of your life, then this is a great series for you because this series is called Hope. And through this series, we're going to dive into the book of Isaiah in a time in Israel's history where they are being crushed. It's quarter time and it's not good. And they are looking for hope. And God gives them. God gives them hope in the midst 
of that crushing space. If you feel like you need hope, this series is for you. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you that you've given us the Old Testament with some incredible wisdom, some incredible passages that can help us today. We thank you that it is not hopeless when we have you, but in you there is hope. Help us to hang on to hope in this season. In Jesus' name, amen. So as I said, we're diving into the book of Isaiah. Isaiah has 66 chapters and we've got about six weeks. So we're going to cover 11 chapters a week over the next little while. <laughs> no. Now, we're never going to get through Isaiah. Um, was it, what did we hear in the mission spot? 42 days? Even if we read a chapter a day, you wouldn't get there by Christmas. Like, we'd rather do it do what we do quality rather than just cover it all uh, and not do it properly. So we're going to do a deep dive into some parts of Isaiah. But before we even open up Isaiah and sort of get a bit of an overview, I want to tell you the why of Isaiah. Why does this book even exist in the Old Testament? What, what, what is, if you're new to faith, huh? what's that? It's, I had a friend called Isaiah. It's a funny name. We used to pick on him. You know, what, what's, you know, what, what, is Isaiah, what does Isaiah mean? What, what, what is it about? Well, firstly, we've got to step right back and see about who God's people are. And we're going to step back to Genesis chapter 12, verse 1 to 3. And and this is a really key passage of Scripture to understand the nation of Israel who become the Jews, their history. Does anyone know what this passage is called? It's got a name. You can yell it out. You're preaching in a couple of weeks. <laughs> it's going to be great. I'm going to heckle back. It's good. <laughs> Genesis 12. This, so it's this, <laughs> it's a contract between God and Abraham. It's an agreement. It's called a covenant. And this is, this is known as the Abrahamic covenant or Genesis 12. <laughs> and, and what we see, we'll read it out from Genesis 12, um, Verses 1 to 3, it says, The Lord said to Abraham, Go from your country, your people, and your father's house, and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all people on earth will be blessed through you. There's two key things on this. Firstly, who does the work? God. The eyes. Why? For all people. Yes, he chose one person, Abraham. And he said, this is the deal. If you follow me, if you put me first, if you follow my commandments, if you follow my leadership, if you do the things that I tell you to do, then I will do all these great things. You'll have a great name, not because of your doing, but because of what I'm going to do through you. Your your nation's going to be great. You're going to be blessed. You're going to bless others. If people come up against you, well, they better be scared because they're not going to go so well, as long as you follow me. But like any, any contract, any agreement, any covenant, if you stop following me, I still love you. I still care for you. I still want to have a relationship with you. But if you stop your part of the agreement, then I'll stop mine. I'm not going to stop loving you. 
but I can't do my part of the agreement if you don't do your part. Because God is a just God. He seeks justice and righteousness, right living. So you need to follow God and God will do these things. This is the Abrahamic covenant. There's other covenants through the Old Testament and there's sort of the agreements. When God talked to Moses, there's the Mosaic covenant. When God talked to David, there's a Davidic covenant. There's all these sort of promises and agreements that we see. But this one's really important, the Abrahamic covenant. So when you see reference back to Abraham and the agreement and the promises God made, this is it, Abrahamic covenant. So through Abraham, this nation of Israel comes up and we see through the Old Testament when they follow God, God is there. They walk around a giant city and blow a trumpet and the walls fall down. Like, man, their God is amazing. This is huge. Then all of a sudden they start following other gods in the book of Judges and God goes, sorry, I'm a just God. I love you. I want to be there. But if you're not there, I, I, I can't do it. If you're not following me, you're not following my, if you're not putting me first, if you're not following my way to live, hey, I'm going to withdraw my hand. I still love you. I still care for you. And then they, they cry out, book of Judges. And God goes, I'm right back there straight away. Every time. God loves them. Then they go, oh, I need a king. And God's like, um, hello, <laughs> am I not good enough? Oh, we see all these other countries, they got these kings and they, they put things on their heads and they sit on big seats and let's do that. And God goes, if that's what you really want, I'll give you a king, but you know, they're going to be a person and people have got failures. People mess up. And so we see some, some kings come through, there's David, Solomon, Saul, we see some, some kings line up and there's a bunch of kings through the book of Kings, uh, Second Kings especially. And then we get to a point where God's people have some pretty rough kings that aren't really following God at all. And God is pleading with his people to turn back to him. He is begging them, please, please turn back to the way that that we agreed that we would live together. You follow me and I am all in for you. I love you so much. Please don't turn away. And God uses prophets to share this message. And one of the prophets is Isaiah. So after these kings, in a turmoil time, we see the book of Isaiah, where God's people aren't following the way. And God's not wanting to remove his hand, but he's a just God. And he's giving a warning after warning after warning. The book of Isaiah itself is actually a pretty complex literary book to read. It's got some wisdom that that God has given Isaiah to say. So there's some warnings, there's some poetry, there's some prayers, and there's also some prophecy in there. A little bit like John um, speaks of revelation in the New Testament of what is to come. We see in Isaiah, Isaiah is speaking of what is to come, and God gives him a revelation of what that is. But to really make it simple, because we've only got the six weeks We're going to break Isaiah into two parts to make it really, really simple. The first part is this. Chapters 1 to 39, we see that that there is this idea of judgment is coming if you don't change your ways. God is saying, hey, if you don't come back to me, I'm about to withdraw. 
I'm about to uphold my part of the contract, the agreement, the covenant. If you don't turn back to me, I'm going to take my hand off. And you guys really need to know that I am really protecting you right now. There are some superpowers around you in your nation. One of them is called Babylon, and it wants to attack, and I am holding them off. Please turn back to me. Please stop worshipping other gods. Please get your focus back where it needs to be. Stop doing the, the evil, terrible things and start doing the right living like I told you to do. Please, please, please. And he, he's begging his people to turn back. They don't. And then there's this, this pivotal point in the history of Israel where all of a sudden God goes, okay, and he takes his hand away. And immediately they're into captivity. It's called the, the exile or the exilic period of Israel's history. And it's during this time that they are taken off to Babylon. And we see books like Daniel and stories like Daniel in the lion's den, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, the fiery furnace. This happens during this period of, of history in the nation of Israel. Now, even in the midst, though, of you'd think it's all over. It's like quarter time, Essendon versus North Melbourne. It's done. But even in that moment, God offers hope because the, the later parts from chapters 40 to 66 are all about hope. About how even when look, the city is about to be destroyed, God is going to rebuild a city. If we look at the, the timeline for Isaiah, we see that there's from... Around about 720 is when this all happens, starts to happen. 700 years before Jesus is born. 720 BC, it sort of starts the warnings of what's yet to come. We end up with sort of this 586 BC is the exile. And then to really try and crush the spirit of Israel in 530 BC, they take down the walls of Jerusalem, the city of David. They tear down the walls which means that now you don't have an identity as a location. You're not a fortified people group. You're open for anyone to come and go. So they're trying to take away their identity, and then they take down, then they destroy the temple that Solomon built. And by taking down the temple, the Holy of Holies, the place where God would dwell, when by destroying that, they've taken away their religion. They've taken away their identity. They've taken away their religion. They're trying to wipe these guys out. And so this is a key pivotal point in, in history to see that 530 BC, the temple's destroyed. The walls are taken down. But even in the midst of that, Isaiah is preaching of a new Jerusalem, a new place where God will dwell, and it offers hope. Um, two little tangents that I didn't do this morning, uh, and almost ran to time, so maybe I won't now because I'm going to run tangents. Um, First tangent is this, the, the temple is rebuilt in the book of Nehemiah and the book of Ezra, the walls are rebuilt and God uses the enemy to do that, pretty cool, because God's people turn back to him and when the blessings come, the blessings come and the enemy that destroyed the walls end up rebuilding it, pretty cool story and it's not until 70 AD that the temple's destroyed again, and there's part of the temples that's still left today, and in the Jewish nation, that's called the Wailing Wall. And so there's a bit of history about the temple and what that looks like. The other little tangent that I want to run is this idea of BC and AD. You see, um, modern scholars have changed the idea of BC, which stood for before Christ, 
to BCE, before Common Era, which means the Common Era has been going for about 2,000 years. So when you had a wagon and cart in the year 200, Common Era, we also now have electric cars and iPhones. Same era, we're classed as the same. It sort of loses part of its potency. But that's, that was, they're trying to remove Jesus and Christ from some of our academic records. And so I just want to speak up against that. Um, that's where BC stood for before Christ. Our timeline is dated on Jesus' birth. The other, other part of this is um, AD, which was after Christ was born, stands for the words Anno Domini, which means, for the year, means in the year of our Lord. And so you can sit there going, we live in 2022, common era. Or as Christians, we can stand on AD, which means this year, 2022, is the year of our Lord. I choose the year of our Lord. More power in it, hey? Anyway, tangent, I get passionate about that because every time I read it, it's like, girl, stop it. <sighs> Isaiah. <laughs> Next week, we're going to dive into the start of Isaiah. And when we start in, we're, we're focusing on these first books around the warnings. And we're going we're to do a bit of a, a, a chunky dive into there. With these warnings, we see that there's some... some uh, we're going to jump around some of the chapters a little bit. They all sort of come together and head in a direction, but we're going to jump back and forwards a bit. So we're not, we're not skipping bits and we're not getting our weeks out of order. It just works with the flow of the series. And so next week we talk about this idea of rebelling against God's covenant, rebelling against God's way of living. And when we go against God's loving design for life, there are consequences. But even in the midst of God's people rebelling and doing the wrong thing, even in the midst of them doing horrendous, evil, wicked things, we see in Isaiah 4, chapter 2, that on that day the branch of the Lord will bear, it will be beautiful and glorious, and the fruit of the land will be the pride and the glory of the survivors of Israel. The fruit being their lifestyle, the way that they live, if they hang on to the truth, and those that choose to follow God, they will be the pride of Israel because they didn't mess up. Even in the midst of persecution, in the midst of exile, there is hope. And that hope is going to be a beautiful thing. It's going to be glorious. It's going to, we're going to have pride and it's going to, be, going to glorify our God. The following week we see that, that sometimes in life we feel like we had dreams. And we feel like we had ambitions. And we feel like we were going to do things. And those things are being laid to waste. And we see imagery. And Anthony's going to bring this message when I heckle him. And in this message, um, we see this, this idea of the nation of Israel is like a mighty oak tree. And it, it stood and it was impressive and it was powerful and it was majestic. And, it, and it, it was a great thing to behold. But all that is left is a stump. It's been cut down. It is dead. It is finished. It is over. And Isaiah 6, chapter 3 talks about it's cut down. The Holy Seed, the stump of the land. But we see that when, when things seem dead, when all seems lost, God offers hope. And from that stump, something amazing comes. Something amazing happens. We're going to flow on from that to see that, that from that stump, God's going to raise something else up. Something amazing, because when God makes a promise, he keeps his promise. And we see that there's a seed of hope. Isaiah chapter 11, verse 1, A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse, 
from his roots a, a branch that will bear fruit. And we see that God made a promise to King David. Then David messed up monumentally. Huge mistakes. But in God's response to pain, he offers hopes. He offers hope. And even though David messed up, because God made a promise, he keeps it. And God's promise helps us when we need a seed of hope in those dark times. God's promises are trustworthy and that we can stand on. And then we see what hope starts to look like. And we see what hope looks like in the way that he will be called. In Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, it says, For unto us a child is born, for unto us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Almighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. God gives hope in the form of a child. Emmanuel, which means God with us. And in the midst of our hopelessness, in the midst of those times where it's that quarter time moment where the pressure is on and we feel like it's all done, the world says, well, either you need a break from that and you need to do something for you, help yourself, what's going to re-energize your tank, or you need to remove yourself from that space, or suck it up, princess, just push through, fight through it. And there's all these different versions that the world says. What the Bible says is in that moment of crushing defeat, God meets you there. He comes to you. Peter's walking on water and he starts sinking because he's looking at the world around him. Jesus reaches out his hand to pick him up. It's the same. When you feel like there is hopelessness, when you feel like all is lost, God comes to us, Emmanuel, God with us, in the form of a child so he can experience the things that we experience. He he knows what it is to be rejected by his friends. He knows what it is to be in pain. He knows what it is to be alone. He knows what it is to be hungry. He experienced that so you can relate to him and he can relate to you. And he meets you there and he picks you up. Hope is found in Jesus Christ. I'm pretty excited about this series. We then get to Christmas Day. And on Christmas Day, we open up Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. and says, for, uh, for it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. It's not from yourself. It's a gift from God. You've been saved not by your own work, because by our own work, that's probably what got us there in the first place. You know, it's like we're following God. No, I'm going to do it myself. Oh, hang on, it's not going so well. What's going on here? It's when we try it ourselves, that's when we mess up. When we allow God and we cry out, God, help us. I've got faith in you. And God goes, yeah, I'm there. I was always there. I was just waiting for you to call out to me. I want to help you out of that place. I want to offer hope. Hope is found in Jesus. You see, this series actually finishes our series for the year. Because I want you to know that there is one story in life, and you can try and make it your story, but hey, our stories, we mess up. We choose wrong turns. We have wrong ideas and thoughts. We try and make our own way, and, and it doesn't work. There's one story in this life, and it's actually God's story. And when you choose to be a part of God's story, God's in it. Why would you choose anything else? There's one faith, and that's in God. We can put our faith in our own abilities, 
that doesn't go so well. We can put our faith in others, or they might let you down. But when you put your faith in God, he is faithful. And his promises, what he said would happen, did happen. And what he said will happen, will happen. We put our faith in God and there is one hope. There's one hope in this life, and that is Jesus Christ. Today I want to offer you a question to sit with. And there's two responses that we'll finish the message with. The first is, have you accepted hope? Have you accepted Jesus Christ? Because there is one hope, and it is Jesus. If you haven't accepted hope, I'm going to invite you to say a prayer. And in that prayer, there's three parts. The first part is to say sorry because you've been trying to do it your own way. The second part is to say thank you that God sent hope in the form of his son. And the third part is to ask hope, to ask Jesus into your life. If that's you, I'd ask us all to bow our, prayers and pray, bow our heads. And um, you can pray this in your heart. You can pray it out loud if you want. But if this is you, I want to invite you to pray this prayer right now. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you that we have hope in Jesus Christ. I'm sorry for the times that I have done the wrong thing. When I have tried to lead my life in a direction outside of what you wanted it to be, I thank you that you sent Jesus Christ into this world to show me how to live and to take the consequences of my actions onto himself. Thank you that he came to me when I needed him the most. And I ask him into my heart right now, from this day forward, to guide me in the decisions that I need to make and to help me through the times when I feel alone. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, whether it's in the, the building or online, can I get you to reach out and let us know? We'd love to, to journey with you. We'd love to pray with you. We'd love to give you a Bible, show you how to read it and spend some time just following up and pointing out where you get to read about hope and experience hope in God's word. The second challenge is potentially for the rest of us and that's that maybe we've got Jesus but you know, there's an area of our life where it maybe needs some work. And yeah, we, we follow Jesus but there's a, there's a gap there's, there's a feeling of pressure that's disproportionate to what it should be. Like, a, you know, I'm in grief, but the grief's disproportionate. You know, the, the, there's, there's a pressure, but it's disproportionate to what it should be. It's, it, I should be able to function, but it's crippling me. I feel like there's, there's too, it's hopeless, and I know that there needs to be a different way. If that's you, I want to invite you up during the next song, and it can go into after the service too. I want to invite the staff, leaders uh, from the church just to, to come forwards and, and be available for people to pray. And, and all that they're going to do is they're just going to offer your pressure, that circumstance, to God in prayer. Um, we're not saying that we can do anything because we can't. The hope's found in him, not us. But we would love to journey with you and pray for that, that situation. Uh, let's close um, the message in prayer. I'll invite the band up and um, get some of the leadership up the front too to be able to, to pray. And during this song, if you'd like to come up, you can come up for prayer uh, or after the service. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father,
We thank you for this incredible book of your word. We thank you for the prophet Isaiah and what he said to your people. And Lord, how that can still relate to us today. We thank you that the answer that Isaiah gave to a people that were struggling is the same answer that we have today, and that is Jesus Christ. Lord, as we come before you, would you examine our hearts and see if there's areas of our life that feel hopeless, areas of our life that that we've been trying to carry our own, areas of our life that maybe we've been intentionally or unintentionally hiding from you. Lord, I pray that we would experience freedom today as we exchange that for hope. Hope of what will be today and what will be tomorrow. Exchange that for hope that it will be okay because of what Jesus did. Not knowing the journey, but knowing that the outcome will be okay because of who Jesus is. And knowing that that journey is not done alone. Lord, we embrace hope the one hope today, as individuals and as your church, as we embrace your Son, God. The one who brings joy, the one that brings life, the one that brings everything that we need. Thank you for hope. Thank you for Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. If you would like prayer, or to find our sermon-based studies, please head to our website or check the description below for a link. If you enjoyed the video, feel free to share the video, like, subscribe, and hit the bell icon for updates of when we release new videos. Remember, life can be tough, so let's do it together.